0: everyone this is dr tracy jones thanks for tuning in to our leaders on leadership podcast here at tremendous leadership where our guest today is Mark Everest. And Mark is the CEO of Occupational Athletics and the founder of Human Maintenance. He is an author, he is a speaker, he is an in-demand leadership expert, and he is a serious XM radio personality where his show, The Road Athlete, has been on for 20 years and has over 1.5 million listeners. You're not going to want to miss this interview. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast. This is Leaders on Leadership, and we are pulling back the curtain of leadership to talk with the world's greatest leaders about how they paid the price of leadership. And today, it is my tremendous pleasure to have the one, the only Mark Everest on as my guest. Mark, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, Tracy, I greatly appreciate the invite and um, you know, a big fan of your father, fan of yours, and I appreciate this opportunity to share whatever I can to enlighten uh, uh, your listeners and um, hopefully add, add value to the content that you're supplying to everybody that tunes into your show and uh, looking forward to it.
0: Thanks, Mark. Well, let me tell our listeners a little bit about Mark. Mark is the president and CEO of a company called Occupational Athletics Incorporated. He's the creator of Human Maintenance. He is the author of Game Plan for Living Your Four Quarters of Life, The Road Athlete System, The Occupational Athlete System, and Several Athlete Systems. Mark and his company have been in business since 1981. Mark is also a professional speaker and an on-air Sirius XM radio personality for the past 20 years with his show, The Road Athlete. It's been featured on channel 146, The Road Dog. The show attracts 1.5 million listeners. Mark believes in educating, motivating, and inspiring listeners and audiences across the country. So, Mark, before we get into this, what is The Road Athlete?
1: Well, The Road Athlete is, I was, uh, back in the early 90s, I was working in professional sports, working with the Pittsburgh Steelers. My background is in orthopedic sports medicine, and I was working with a company called Roadway, still in business today, big trucking company. And... um, they brought me in, they had a big injury problem, uh, a huge issue with uh, workplace injuries and one of our niches is, is prevent those. And so we have a model of treating a worker like an athlete because when I worked in athletics, Tracy, athletes get the best care in the world. You know, think about the level of care we give an athlete. Wait. Most valuable asset in a sports organization is that player on the field. So back in the 90s kind of cracked the code on, you know, wellness is a good idea but it only works for well people. Uh, everybody's aging, so we created a model that we treated a worker like an athlete. So, Roadway was one of the first companies I got into. We started helping the dock workers out, and their claims came down, and people were engaged. We had a great system going They saved them a lot. And they said, Mark, we want you to experience the life of a truck driver. Now I'm like Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs. You ever see that show, Dirty Jobs? Yes, I love that show. I'm kind of like that guy. Only I go around, I look, at, I look at the physicality of the job. I look at what happens to the human physically, emotionally, uh, all the other moving parts of the job, not just the dirt or, or the environment. So I went out and I experienced uh, a drive with a professional truck driver. They said, Mark, we're going to pair you up with the most uh, challenging uh, drive we have in the United States. This driver drives from Carlisle, Pennsylvania into Manhattan in a tractor trailer drops a load and drives back five to six days a week wow. he's the highest paid driver in the company and we want you to experience the most challenging ride out there so I, I said i'm up for the challenge i never tried that so it was my first time sitting in the cockpit of it with a truck driver this guy was an interesting story story this guy was a real southern boy he was from south carolina he was, had had one of the best track records no no clean safety record real seasoned driver they relocated out. we're driving into the city now, I get stressed out just driving my car into the city. Have you driven in Manhattan?
0: I have. And if a beer is listening, she drove us downtown Manhattan one time, and I was like in an SUV, and I'm like, girl, prop, respect. I have never seen that. But let alone a truck.
1: Imagine a tractor trailer going in and out of the city doing this five <laughs> to six days a week. I so it's like I couldn't believe. It. So we're getting towards the city. We're going across the GW Bridge because the Lincoln Tunnel is a little risky. We get into the city. This driver is such a pro. He maneuvered that truck through the city. A couple times I thought he was going to take out some bike riders, a couple cabs, a couple pedestrians, you know, because the city's so crazy. And uh, after about 14 hours of, you know, with dealing with the traffic, we get back to the terminal in Carlisle, not too far from where you live. Uh-huh. And I said to this Southern boy, I said, wow. I said, I got to tell you, you're not a truck driver. This is where road athlete was invented. It was like a God bomb came into my head. I said, you're you're a road athlete. He said, what do you mean? I'm just a truck driver. I said, no, 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 my friend, you're not. You are a road athlete. He said, why would you call me that, Mark? I said, because. I said, you didn't fumble the ball once. You know, you, you dodged the bullets. You came close a couple times. I was like, I was having like a, you know, anxiety attacks while you're driving my
0: eyes i'm yeah. like well, i just can't see
1: yeah it was like it was, it was like and i said but you got us back safe and sound and i said thank you for that you know uh, you gotta i said how do you handle the stress he said, well mark let me tell you something my daddy was a truck driver my granddaddy real southern draw in this guy from south carolina everybody in my family's a trucker you're a product of your environment right he said so i became a truck driver early on in my life and i love it and i'm um, I'm good at it. Actually. I said, good at it. I said, you are beyond good. And that's when road athlete was invented. So I, I had a real appreciation for truck drivers back in the early nineties, because here's the deal, everything in this country and around the world comes from a truck. And so, you know, if we don't have trucking America stops. The world stops. You'll never eat any more food. You can't buy those, the clothing, everything stops. So after having that such an appreciation for professional truck drivers, uh, I got invited years ago to be interviewed on uh, XM Radio before Sirius even showed up, uh, under uh, with a guy named Dave Nemo, who was instrumental in creating satellite radio, and we did this interview. Then it, uh, it was called the Road Athlete, and he loved it. He goes, "This is motivational stuff. These drivers need this. They are unhealthy and blah blah." He said, "You want to have your own show?" I said, "Sure, why not?" So two weeks later, I'm in Nashville recording, and the rest is history. It's been on for over 20 years now. Sirius and XM merged. And we're now it's one channel, the road dog. And so that's kind of how the trucking thing started. But uh, it, it's, it's been a good ride uh, helping the truckers out there because they're, they're, they're lonely. It's a tough industry and it's very stressful. Right. So we're here, we're here. That's one of our niches is the trucking, trucking industry. That's I a long, that. long answer to that question.
0: A god bomb. I love that. And then I love that it went road athlete to road dog. You know how I love that. Yeah. So
1: the road dog is the channel. My show's the road athlete on the road dog channel.
0: That's right cool. And you know what? One thing I think after the pandemic, if it weren't for the truckers out there, and I would see people driving but going to essential business only and just had big signs that said thank you, truckers. I mean, there were many here oh, yeah. for the past three months. If it weren't for them, we oh. wouldn't put a shelter in place. So I mean, my hat's off, my hat's... My brother-in-law's a trucker, Barry, love ya, and uh, so my hat's off to, um, to all the people that do that, So, and thank you, Mark, for serving that community. Well,
1: you know, I, I have such an appreciation for truck drivers uh, that I didn't when I was younger, because they used to scare me, you know, you're next to a tractor trailer, you're like, oh, you know, and now that I understand what they do, and I've dealt with them for so many years, it's like, you know what, they're not just essential, they're the lifeblood of everything in this country with with everything that
0: everything we have right absolutely i love well thank you for letting the the listeners know kind of where your leadership context is going to come from how you've grown your company how these epiphanies that come to you and so i want to talk about my dad's book the price of leadership and mark you knew my father he absolutely adored you you were his son and uh so thank you for what you meant to his life and your um constant presence in mine and he talked in the price of leadership about things you're going to have to pay in order to be a leader and the first of them was the price was loneliness and he says that you're going to have to set the pace and pave the way for others to follow and that there's no one who can lead the group the way you can and a lot of times that means stepping out from the pack and going alone but yet we're always taught oh if you don't have followers right around you you're not a true leader so can you talk to me about um loneliness in your work and stepping out and growing your business. Share with me some of your experiences.
1: Yeah, you know, as an entrepreneurial spirited person, like many of your other guests have come on, everybody's got their take on that. My take is, you know, we, we started this path because we were unique in what we did. We weren't like your normal kind of business that we evolved into. But there is not just the loneliness, but then there's the stress and the pressure that you're under uh, to perform to keep your company afloat, keep your payroll healthy, keep your benefits alive. I mean, I I tell people, you know, entrepreneurialism's got a huge price to pay. And um, as you get older, it doesn't necessarily get any easier. You know, I've been at this for a long time now. And, uh, but it's, you gotta, it's not for everybody, you know, to be a leader. You know, you have it, but your father was instrumental, as you know, as a mentor in my life when I was a young man. He's, your father is really instrumental one of the reasons why I started my own company. Uh, when I sat in the front row of his uh, seminar when I was a manager at a young age, managing a health club, um, I fell in love with him then, and then we became good buds, and he took me under his wing, and you know the whole story. But um, I learned early on that you know if you're going to get into a leadership role, you have to have a lot of skill sets and discipline, commitment, all the other good things that make up leadership. But there is definitely a loneliness side, especially when um, – if you're at the top, if you're the CEO, you got people underneath you, but it, it's, you know, it's one of those things that's that, uh, risk reward also, you know, when you have an entre- when entrepreneurial spirited person. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I look back at my career and I look at the journey I've been on and it's been, uh, it's been an interesting ride. Uh, but now I feel so blessed that, that we've been able to help so many people. And I, when I look at the pitfalls of being a leader, it's, uh, it's the stress that you've got to be able to handle that stress.
0: Well, that kind of is the second thing he talks about where he says weariness and it, it is tough. And I never forget, I've only been an entrepreneur 12 years and I can remember, uh, first of all, I thought the government before, when I worked for Fortune 100 companies and bureaucracies, I didn't understand that the government doesn't have money. I can always tell whenever somebody, somebody doesn't understand the economy, because they're like, well, the government will pay. I'm like, no, 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 it's us. And, and small business is like 89% of the econ- entrepreneurship. And so until I flipped over, I'm like, whoa. So, how do you, as you're stepping out, as you're growing your business, because you know, entrepreneurship is just the ultimate liberating thing, but it all lands on you. And so, how do you, how do you cope with the weariness of, of doing your own thing? And then you have people you have to pay and other livelihoods, that in, and, and you have to produce results. Can you share about that?
1: Yeah, first of all, uh, you know, it's faith. You know, and sometimes when your business is sluggish and you're not getting, and now with the COVID, you know that that's that's affected us too in business. Um, you know, you can get you can get very discouraged uh, when times are good; they're great, you know. But you know, it's, it's a roller coaster ride, just like life is. But when you're an entrepreneur in a leadership role, it is even more of a roller coaster ride, in my opinion, because you're at the front of that coaster. Or the back of that coaster driving a ship, you know what I mean? And that when that coaster's on a sm- smooth ride, you know, it's all good. But when it's rocky, uh, the stress levels, sleepless nights, um, you know, worrying about, I, I try not to worry. But what I do is um, I practice what I preach, you know, I'm into human maintenance. So if I maintain me, my mind, my spirit, my body, it gets me through it, okay? I'm disciplined At every morning I get up, I have my prayer, my meditation, my exercise, my yoga, my deep breathing. That's my jumpstart for my day. And I think for any, leadership, any leader out there, uh, I'm sure they all have different routines. For me, that's my number one ingredient to get me through the day and in a positive way by taking care of me first. And that's what God wants you to do. It's your temple, take care of it. It'll take better care of you. So I take care of the temple in my mind um, every morning when I jumpstart and throughout the day, I think that helps me to deal with the stressors of being an entrepreneur.
0: Absolutely. And I love that you hit that. It is a body thing. And, and we are um, temples. We're also shells, but you have to take care of that. And I hope the one thing from this whole crisis, health crisis is, you know, people will get healthy because you can't stay healthy if you're not. And and so to realize that there's a lot of bad things that we can um, eliminate the, the fear of if we really just take care of ourselves. And uh, boy, leaders—you you have to be physically strong, not just emotionally and mentally strong. But you gotta be physically strong too.
1: You do. It's like you know, and you being in the military, you know, when you went to basic training, was your drill sergeant in good shape? Right. So, you know, you look at your 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 top leaders out there. Uh, many of them, if I'm not saying all of them, but many of them, know that that's an important component of their leadership is to. Lead by example. So if you take care of you, you're going to be a better leader, you know. But I do know other leaders that's a, so cop in business they don't have any time for me. Oh, I don't have time to exercise. They don't have time to eat healthy, you know, and they get a cop a different kind of a lifestyle, that will create even more stress, you know. Maybe it's a temporary. Yeah, yeah. I I I have some other friends that are in leadership roles and they handle things differently. But everybody. For me, and I think physiologically with my physiology background, that's really a remedy that everybody should take advantage of. And like you said, with COVID right now, the number one line of defense is build your immunity up. Right. And the only way you're going to do it is lifestyle management, right. or what we call human maintenance.
0: Absolutely. I love it. Human maintenance. Absolutely. Okay. So we had loneliness. We had weariness. The next point that he brings up is called abandonment. And his point in this is that anytime we embark on what we're doing, what we know we need to do, we're going to have some people that are doing more than their share and some people that are doing less than their share. How do you, as a business owner, when, you know, it's kind of, as entrepreneurs, we can get sidetracked fairly easily and multitask. How do you stay focused on what you ought and need to focus on and um, stay really on point missionally?
1: That's a really good question. And that's something that uh, I'm glad you're bringing that up because, you know, we're a family owned company and I've got family members that are involved in our company, which don't always step up to the plate to the level that I want them to. Like my work ethic is very high. Okay. But I grew up in that, you know, that's the way I grew up. You know, I never got anything as a kid. My father made me work for everything. He was from London. My mother was from Italy. They're old school Europeans. And I was glad I was taught that way. But as my business, you know, did well over the years, you know, my kids got more than they should have, you know, and, and so what I think the challenge is, if you're a family owned company, or if you're, you know, public or whatever, but if you're in that leadership role, and it's like in sports, if that player is not performing, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a pep talk with them. If they don't fix it, you gotta get them off the team. You know so that's where the tough love comes in but when it's your family dynamic it's not that easy I to know fire, to fire a daughter or to fire a wife you know or yeah so, you're preaching the
0: choir yes
1: I know it's not simple but the good news is understanding that you know you you start to develop your coping skills uh now the rest of my I don't call anybody employed in my company we're all team members okay yeah. word employee to me sounds not very positive. I'll give you an example. We work with thousands of companies across the country, literally thousands. And um, one of the companies that I worked with many years ago, you might be familiar, Johnsonville. They make brats. You ever hear of Johnsonville brats? Yeah, they make really tasty, unhealthy meat, but it's tasty. And I was well, this is a great story. So I was working with their leadership team there, and I was implementing some human maintenance for them and doing some seminars. And one of the things that we were doing, Tracy, was we're implementing our what we call our physical readiness system. You're gonna start your game day. Every day you show up for work and you're gonna you're gonna warm your brain and your body up. It's not an option. Right. It's mandatory.
0: Okay. Okay, yeah. you make them wear a hard hat,
1: you make them wear a PPE if you're familiar, if you're familiar with the industrial audience, you know, hard hats, steel tips, gloves, you know, the PPE, but none of that stuff protects your mind or your body from getting hurt. So we implemented it, and they had a lot of injuries. It had a big problem. So we got the injuries cleaned up. And I said to the leadership, I said, look, why don't we start? Because everybody was an employee, okay? Let's shift gears. Let's call everybody here at Johnsonville a team member. Are you willing to do that? And the leadership liked it. Absolutely. I said, I'd start doing it tomorrow. So they started referring to everybody as a team member in the organization. And you know how that works, Tracy. If you feel you're a member, you're connected. So I've been leveraging that since I've worked in sports, you know, you want to feel part of a team now, just because somebody's a part of a team in an athletic event too. They're not necessarily a good team player. You know, look at egos in sports right as I get out of the egos were getting too big and the money was too, I mean, it was just crazy. But at the end of the day, once again, when I look at the team member, if they're not performing, you got to get them off the team.
0: Well, I appreciate you you bringing out the, the two sides of that. And this is where I think the leader has to kind of flip from um, coach to really calling out the non-performance. You know, you talked about um, abandonment really is, and this is my definition of abandonment too, it's being all in. I'm abandoning myself, my selfish needs for maybe I want more vacation time, maybe I don't want to work this hard, maybe I just want to transact or be a clock puncher. I'm abandoning my wants for the needs of the organization, which really supersedes. So therefore, I become all in, and that makes me an integral part of the team versus just somebody that's showing up and um, getting another day closer to that retirement or whatever. But you know, your point about then there comes to a point where you need to re- really reevaluate that. Reevaluate that if somebody is going to go all in, because the best teams it's not just about the best leader, but it's about the best followers, co-leaders, team members. You got to have them all in too. And they kind of they really play off each other. Like, like a team, you can't have just two or three good people on a team and everybody else mediocre or a couple completely checked out. That's not how top organizations um, uh, survive and thrive. And so I love that you applied that team concept to the organizational entity because it really is a valid one for leaders and their yeah. co- team members.
1: Yeah, I do a lot of leadership train-to-trainer uh, programs, too, for companies. And uh, one of the things I do, it's, um, you know, it's a coaching model because we're athletic, we're an athletic business coming into, into industry and corporations. And I go through this series of coaching techniques. And I, we look at the best coaching techniques that are done in uh, professional sports, military, you know, in the high-performance industries, okay? See, so the thing about athletics, professional athletics, there's a lot of pressure on those coaches and those teams to win. You know, if they're not winning, you know, look how quickly they fire a coach. coach. Right. They'll swap them out like crazy. And then they just kind of circulate coaches around the league. And eventually, if they can't perform in any team, they're out. But we look at the player performance, and, it, it, and you're right. I mean, if you can have a great concept, you can have a great business, but those players are not engaged, you know, and it's, it's tough to keep them because
0: everybody's different. But it is. You know, that's what I think leaders, but you know, you, you use again, the sports thing. And that's what I asked for maybe leaders that are dealing with people. Do you want your team to win? Do you right. want company to succeed? If so, you're going to show up, like you said, body, mind, and spirit ready, and not just go through the motions. I mean, you know, you see the stats on disengaged and um, oh,
1: there's no question.
0: How can you be on the team if you're disengaged? It's like being married, but not really being you're, you're in or you're out, you know, yeah. kind of.
1: Well, one of the things I do, Trace, when I do leadership training, I I have a morale meter. Okay. I want to understand your morale and your company. And keep in mind, I deal with a lot of uh, heavy industry. I deal with all kinds of companies. And um, we're working with a really fantastic company uh, right now called uh, Asplund. They're the largest vegetation management company in the world. They have 40,000 employees. One of the most physical jobs on the planet. These guys are arborists. They climb trees, high risk. And uh, tough mentalities, you know, a lot of union shops we work in, you know, the me mentality, what's in it for me, and uh, interesting story. Their their morale uh, in some of the areas of the country were very challenging. And I've been training their leaders over the past several years, and I put it on a morale meter. You know, you get different coaches say, "Well, our morale's a two. and I'm not just referring to. That, I'm saying in general. So from a scale from one to ten, what's the morale in your organization? Now you might have your number. But Wait, what does that team member say?
0: And you're a collective. Yeah. yeah.
1: What does it say? What do the team members say? So I hear numbers as low as one, as high as, I mean, I could tell you countless morale stories that I've been in, and some are just horrible. And then I look at the leadership and the way they treat their team members. I remember years ago when I was working some of these tough unions, I mean, they treated their team members, so they, were, they weren't even called team members. They're, they, it was just horrible, treating them horrible. I said, the reason why you're having all these injuries, you're not getting performance. I look the way you're being treated. I mean, you're treating them poorly, you know. So I think when you look at those team members, you have to look at them, they are your assets. And I know most most companies would say our employees are the most valuable assets. Uh, I'll share another quick story with you about that because I, I love to share stories. I've met so many people. I was giving a CEO talk in Las Vegas. All right? It was a spinoff of a Vistage uh, organization, which you're familiar with. And these CEOs, I had the room set up in a U-shape, okay? 75 CEOs from across the country are earned for this, this powwow for like three days. I'm doing their keynote. And I said to the conference coordinator, I said, I want you to set that room up in a big U-shape because I want to interact with these coaches. These are coaches, in my opinion, head coaches. First question I asked them, Tracy, I said, all right, I'm glad you're all here. Before I get started, what is the most valuable asset in your organization? What do you think they said, Tracy?
0: Humans? The people? The people
1: right? That's our employees. Employees, associates, whatever you want. They all say the same thing. I said, well, wow, I'm really glad he said that. Next question I asked, I said, all right, now, uh, how many of you here have a maintenance department associated with your organization? You know, take care of your equipment, your grounds, your buildings, your vehicles. How many of you have that? Every hand goes in the air. One guy <laughs> has two hands in the air. I said, how many maintenance folks do you have in your organization? We have over a thousand full-time maintenance employees. They weren't team members; employees, thousand. I said, that's a huge maintenance department. What do you do? He sent him the CEO of Greyhound Bus. We have six thousand bus operators out there. Those, the, the, those buses aren't maintenance. We're out of the game. We're done. I said, what are you doing to maintain that most valuable asset, that bus operator? I never forget this, Tracy. He gives me a deer and a headlight look. He goes, well, What do you mean? What are you doing to maintain them? Well, really nothing to shift in thinking. So when we look at the team members, all right, we have to value them to a level, I think a higher level now than we ever have before. Because of COVID and because of the stressors in the world we're faced with now, people need a little TLC and you gotta demonstrate you care. One of the things we see when we go in these organizations is how morale goes up and injuries and accidents come down. And that's the benefit of taking care of your team members like athletes. They get it.
0: Yeah, and that's so good you brought that up because I was uh, a maintainer in the Air Force. I was a maintenance officer, so I love my maintainers. But I, but we tend to be more task focused, just get her done. But right. I love that you brought out that even if we are really operationally coded, like just I don't want a small talk. I just want to get stuff done. You still need to tend to them as human beings, you know. And I like that because I think a lot of times people get into these certain fields, and I've I've been in my whole life that are more um, highly regulated, process-oriented, you know, just, just follow the checklist. But, but we still are human beings and we're not machines. And so you know, we, need to get, we need to tend to that too because different people are gonna have different things going on in their life or um, everybody needs to feel valued. I don't care if you're the most autonomous, independent, task-oriented person in the world, we still are human bags of emotions and stuff like
1: that. Absolutely, and people are coming to work every day with emotions, you don't even know what the emotions are. Okay, so one of the reasons we say, look, you got to go from a cost culture to a care culture. Yeah. You know, we were some really big publicly held companies, and it's like cost, 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 cost. That's important. That's your P&L statement. I get it. Okay. Keep your cost down. Maintain cost. But do you think that person on the ground uh, or digging a ditch or behind a truck care about the cost? They don't. You know what you need to go? We shift to a care culture. You got to demonstrate you care. You know, and there's different ways that you can care for your team members out there. And and that's where we kind of, that's kind of our sweet spot. We deliver a level of care that uh, is world-class, treating you like a world-class athlete. So Tracy, you're a motivational athlete.
0: I love it. Thank you. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I have a gym to prove it down in my basement. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> hey, Mark, the last one that we talked about was vision. And my father referred to vision being being what needs to be done and doing it. So how do you, I mean, you've told us a beautiful story about how you have put yourself out there and been open to learning from other people and how you've had these, I think you call God bombs where you've just gotten clarity. How do you um, How do you continue to hone? And uh, you know all the research now is saying the organizations that were able to pivot with COVID are going to be going forward. How do you pivot, but stay true to your vision but where do you look for for added um, spaces of enlightenment or discernment in growing as a leader and growing your uh, brand entity?
1: Well, that's, 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 that's very good. Because I'm a visionary, okay? Because we create really innovative stuff. And so I, I learned uh, years ago by a guy named Mike Vance. You know Mike Vance's? He, he invented the phrase, think outside the box. Oh, okay. And he was partnered with Walt Disney. He was Walt Disney's right hand man, his marketing genius. back in the early 50s um, and into the early 60s. And uh, he was a visionary. Um, And what I've learned by the great leaders that I've been blessed to know is, you know, vision, not everybody has the same vision. The leader has to have the vision. And if you get everybody on board with your vision and you can get everybody working in sync as team members to get that vision accomplished, then you can can develop a lot of good uh, opportunities for... Yourselves and people and business but vision is something that not everybody has that mindset uh, I think most entrepreneurs definitely have vision like you know when we created road athlete that was a vision okay uh, truck drivers need help we got a way to help them we want them to visualize when I do my radio show all those listeners we got I'm doing these called tune-up talks and I want them to visualize if you didn't keep your truck tuned up how long could you stay on that road You know, you need to apply that visualization to your life. If you're going to change you, you have to visualize the picture first. You know how that works. You worked in the military and I I wrote two stories on the blue angels. They were, they were so phenomenal with what they could do because they were, they visualized the routine before they got in the, in the F-18. So they didn't crash the plane. So vision is something that if you have a vision statement and you you live by it, and you read it, and you comply by it. And then also you have to have the plan to execute the vision. As a leader, you know you know that strategically. So that's where we use the whole game plan philosophy. That's how we visualize what we do. You need the game plan. And what is that game plan? Well, in our opinion, is it starts by what's the game plan for you? Uh, what are you going to do to take care of you as a leader? And I keep going back to this caring because. Because of COVID, we have to, we're readjusted too. I mean, I was in an airplane every week speaking live, which I love that part of my business, that we have other aspects of our company. But now we all have to reinvent ourselves. So we have a new vision. So what we've done is create human maintenance packages, like you would, that are virtual packages. Like you would, uh, if you bought a human, if you bought a maintenance package for your HVAC equipment or your trucks, you buy these maintenance packages. Well, Has there ever been a maintenance package for humans to prevent? Right. You know what I mean? Right. So part of that vision is to get, uh, we had to realign ourselves and readjust. Uh, That was a big part of the vision. And now we're executing it. And uh, our insurance partners that we work with, it's starting to evolve. And we're starting to see more traction with helping companies, this new world that we live in. I
0: love it. And I love that you said that, you know, vision is you, you see it. But just because you see it, now you have, to, you have to have the means and resources to execute it. Otherwise, it's just this pipe dream. It's just you talk. I hear so many people, well, my vision is this. I know, but how are you going to bring it from up here um, down to here? And I just love that you kind of tied, um, you put boots on the ground to your vision. Because otherwise, you, you get it, vision has to be executable. Otherwise, um, nobody's buying your packages. or getting healthier while they're behind their, the wheels of their truck.
1: Yeah, we, I use an illustration, too. I said, okay, visualize yourself. The next three to five years, you don't change anything. Same old stuff, different day. Back to work, same old stuff, different day. And that statement, think outside the box, that Mike Vance invented in 1962, uh, what that means to him, now he lets everybody use it. He trademarked that, but he wants everybody in the world to use it and he's passed away since he he, he said what that means to him is you have to break through your complacency all right complacency now i think about complacency a lot in my industry because when people get complacent with themselves same old stuff different day and how many people do you meet in your career when you ask them hey how you doing same old stuff different day that's a sign of complacency right and i always challenge my team members if you ever get complacent with your job then we're going to have a, it's going to be an issue. Okay. Right. That means you're complacent with you.
0: Right. 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 And I think a lot of times you, you said, okay, I love this companies have to go to a care culture, but the team members, they have to care enough to want to change. You There's know, no question. Say that. you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I can put salt in your oats to make you thirsty, but they still have to care enough. You, you've laid out these phenomenal programs and just, this mental hook that, oh, I get it. I need to service myself like I do my vehicle. Otherwise, bad things are going to happen. But you still have to care enough. And you know how hard it is to get people to change badly. It's because it takes you breaking out of complacency. It takes work.
1: And it takes a lot of work. Habits. Yeah. I, I call it behavior hurdles. Behavior uh-huh. hurdles. Behavior hurdles. Yes. Behavior if you're going hurdles. to change yourself, you have a lot of hurdles to jump over to be able to accomplish that. I'm doing a whole series of webinars right now based on these hurdles because people with COVID, a lot of people are still working from home. They call it the the Corona 15. You might have heard that. The average person, if they're not being physically active, the gyms are closed. You can gain 15 plus pounds. I've met several people who have gained more than that already because they're home, they're bored, they're eating more and not moving enough. And so we got the way to snap people out of complacency that I found is hit them where it counts. Mm -hmm. You're going to age, and with age comes risk okay now you have an option to just let that process of aging just happen right or you can do something about it and do the maintenance on yourself to have a good life as you age and you know i, I used to talk to your dad a lot about that and i tried to get him to exercise for years your dad was funny he, he, he was like yeah, you do that I, you know but your dad had he had so much energy that it he that he didn't even need to go to the gym because his energy was so high. And so I think that's, you know, you got to look at the big picture. And if that, if your team members as a leader, if your team members are your most valuable assets, which I'm sure everybody's going to say yes, are we doing enough to care for them so they care for the company? So they're not complacent. And that's what we see in these organizations that we're going into. If you don't get in their heads, you're not going to get their body. You know, you can't just put a stretch post and say, hey, we want you to do this every day, you know, or you, even these companies they have onsite exercise rooms and gyms and wellness centers the people that are using them are going to do it anyway. You know, how do you get that person that's not engaged to engage them? And, and that's where, you know, we've been blessed to have a, a niche to get people more engaged.
0: I love it. I love it. And you have um, leaders and organizations that see the value in that. And so they oh,
1: the return on investments gigantic.
0: I mean, we take, yeah. And but, but it takes evolved leaders to admit, Hey, there's more, I can be doing. Cause a lot of people are like, man, we're just doing this. We're just, you know, uh, we're uh, brick and mortar. We're blue collar. We don't need to take care of that because you know, that's, that's white collar fluffy stuff. And, and it, and it's, it's not, you know? No, it's, it's not. Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting Tracy, because you know, when we go to some of these organizations and we're in white collar environments too, we're an engineering firm, So we, we, we touch every, if you have a pulse of a paycheck, you qualify for human maintenance. Okay.
0: I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we all do. We all need it. I and age, You need more of it. You know, that's the thing. So when we started going down this path years ago, and I'm I'm dealing with high-level leadership, I said, you know, you're gonna have to pay your people on the clock to warm up every day they come to work, okay? For 10 to 12 minutes, not an option. Well, you get a CFO that looks at that number with, you know, 28,000 employees, and they go into sticker shock. But what we've seen over the years, when they go to that caring culture and they provide that time up from, not only do they get the productivity in the back end, they're awake and their injuries and their accidents. And they're healthier, and it, it's like it's a simple little ingredient, and everybody should be doing it. You know, warming up and taking care of your body. You know?
0: Right. Well, and I think we as leaders need to model that. I know, uh, you know, you talk about. So I heard Joyce Meyer. She came to her, she, she does every year. This was, I think, two or three, three years ago, maybe two years ago. And she had just Joyce is what mid seventies. Yeah. She, she's she's but, on a mission.
1: Oh, yeah. She got really fit
0: really fit, And she's like, I'm not sick. I got really fit and I realized the body is a temple and if I need to run this race. And I was like, Tracy, and that's when I went back and reclaimed my health. I'm like, if Joyce is doing this at 75 years old, who am I to think that I can keep doing this? And so, I mean, she was just, I mean, I love her, but she was such an inspiration to me. And so I think that's really important as leaders. We need to model that for our people and we need to be there for them. I don't want to croak earlier due to a lifestyle illness and not take care of my co-leaders and my team members. Um, I want to be there for them, for everybody, as long as I can, until I'm called home. So there's a lot we can control in our lives. And we need to step up as leaders and lead our health habits, too.
1: Yeah, you know, there's there's three drivers of lifespan. You know, that's kind of my niche, you know, the whole aging thing is, you know, Tracy, that, you know, we got so many years to live on this planet, okay? Um, the average lifespan for a man is 76 to 80, women 78 to 84. So I use the gauge 80s, the end of the game. Now, you could live longer. Right. You may not know guarantees of life. I worked in the children's cancer wing and a Penn state's teaching hospital years ago. And you know, you look at stuff like that and you got to scratch your head. Well, it's sad as it is. But one thing I learned about cancer kids, Tracy, their attitudes are better than most adults that I meet. Yeah. They're special kids. So if that's the reality that we're going to go to 80 plus years, hopefully as you go through these quarters of life, you know, if you have time, I'll share this with you. Cause this be a good segue to where we might close here. So, the reality is, if you're going to live to 80, and I'm going to use a sports analogy here, the first quarter of your life is when you're first born, age 20 years old. That's the first quarter. Now, the first quarter of life, which we've all been there, done that, is the fun quarter. Now, that's not always fun, but I don't. My mission statement when I was in the first quarter, I wanted to have fun all the time. Then you go into the second quarter, 21 to 39, now you're going to go to work. You're going to pick a career, you're going to work somewhere unless you land in a family business or whatever. Uh, and now as you're getting older, your life gets serious. You might get married, have kids, and whatever, so life – but you have responsibilities. Now you go halftime in life, 40 to 41. You got one year in the locker room. 40 to 41, that's it. I wish you had more time, but, you know, in the locker room, in the world of athletics, if you're losing the game, the coach has to get the playbook out for the second half and redesign the place to get the momentum to win in the end. See, life is about momentum, and business is about momentum, too. You have times where your momentum's, ooh, on, a, on your, your rocket, and then sometimes it comes down. And as a leader, when you're losing momentum, that's the real challenge a leader has. How do you regain momentum to the, with the team so you're going to win? So now we go to the third quarter, which you and I are in that one, okay? 42 to 60, third quarter life. Now your birthdays, have you noticed, Tracy, they're coming faster?
0: a space-time wormhole.
1: I yeah. Mean, yeah. 61 to 80 is the fourth quarter life, and hopefully at that stage of your life, you're healthy, you can enjoy retirement. But the sad news is there's a lot of people that work all these years, and they die prematurely. And they're not even here. Or right after retirement, they're gone. You know, I'm not here to depress anybody, but it's life. And when you look at all that, there's three main drivers of lifespan. It's number one is your genetics. What you inherit? Okay? You Can't change your DNA. What we've really discovered over the years, Tracy, is the way you live is driving your genetics. Now, a lot of your listeners are they I'm sure they already know that. So you can't fix your genetics, but you can fix the way you live. And the third thing is your environment, where you work, where you live, who you hang out with. And so when I start going into these industries where these environments like trucking and manufacturing and all these different and other work environments, you know, the majority of your life is spent working and sleeping. If you retire at age 65, Some areas of the country are 70, unless you hit the jackpot. Your life is made up of a lot of work. And I tell people, look, your work life is consuming the majority of your life. Your awake time is at work. So doesn't it make sense to make that process better, your work life? And that's where this really comes in. And as a leader, I think you really got to examine your company, say to yourself, are you doing everything humanly possible as a leader or head coach of your team to really take a deep dive and say, am I doing enough to care for my most valuable assets my team members i mean we give them benefits we do training we do all these things which are good but i'm talking you got to go to that next level you know of care
0: awesome well mark how do people get in touch with you i'm sure there's tons of people that would like to talk to you maybe on an individual or for their team or their organization how do people connect with you
1: well they can just go to the website at uh, www.occupationalathletics.com Uh, Our human maintenance uh, brand and system is coming into play here in the next month or so. And we'll be starting up uh, a human maintenance uh, podcast with that, too. We'll be featuring you on one of our segments. Uh, So human maintenance, don't wait until you break. Oh, they can uh, simply reach me uh, at my corporate office at uh, 717-651-9510 is our company office line. But, uh, and then we have all our books and everything on our website uh, to help uh, guide people through this journey of life. And as a leader, you know, it, it, we have a lot of great leadership stuff. Uh, and yeah, we use everything in the athletic mindset just because teams want to win. Right. It's the highest level of performance. Right. I mean, when you're paying a, an athlete millions and millions of dollars a year to perform, you, you better win, you know, and there's a lot of pressure to win. And so really, I look at business, it's no different. You want to have a winning season in business. Profitable, team members are healthy, everybody's good. So to get to that level as a leader, you got to re-examine what you're doing and say, am I doing enough?
0: Awesome. Mark, thank you so much. And thank you for the sports analogies, the team analogies. I mean, you just have really given me some great food for thought. And I'm sure our listeners have loved it as well, too. Any final parting words for our guests?
1: Well, like I like to tell everybody, like on my radio show, life is a journey. Are you prepared to go the distance?
0: Nice. And we will put, we are putting all those links down there at the bottom of this so our listeners can uh, reach out and connect with that. So Mark, thank you so much, brother. You are a true inspiration, a true leader. Thank you for all you do for so many. I look forward to many tremendous collaborations in the months and years to come. And thank you so much to our listeners. Have a tremendous day. Amen, Tracy. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com.